Good evening, Hampton Roads, Southern Virginia, Northern North Carolina, and internet listeners everywhere. Welcome to tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're tuned into WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I'm your host, Bishop Hodges, and welcome to the broadcast where we break down and discuss the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. Well, we're still on the subject of money in our marriage and family relationships. We've been on that for a few weeks now, and we still have maybe one or two weeks left to deal with it. The subject of money seems to be inexhaustible, actually, and I believe that's true because of what we've said about money thus far, and that is our relationship with money is one of the most important relationships that we'll have in our whole lives, and since we're going to be in this relationship for the rest of our lives, we should know how to get the most out of it and maximize the money that God has blessed us with. Maximize your money. So we're spending ample time dealing with the subject of money because money is just so close to us. And please don't think that I'm trying to get anyone to fall in love with money or to seek to be rich or anything inordinate like that. I'm simply saying that money is one of the most valuable commodities that will come into our lives. And everyone knows that money answers so many problems. Money answers a whole lot of issues in our lives. Money doesn't save us. Money doesn't deliver us. Money doesn't make us whole. Money doesn't make us righteous. Money can't always buy health. Money can't buy peace of mind. Money can't give you sleep at night. Uh, well, then if money can't do all that, then what good is money? Money is simply a medium of exchange. Money is a way to get around and to get uh, through in this world. And as we said on last week, we're stewards of the money God blesses us with. And since we are stewards, we are responsible to tend to God's money. That's right. You have to move from a mindset of ownership to stewardship. And a steward, I remind you, is simply one who is accountable uh, and every one of us is going to have to tell God about how we use the money that he gave us. Yes, that may be a nasty word. A lot of people may not like that word, accountability, especially when it comes to church, but it's true nonetheless. A steward is accountable. You and I are stewards of the finances that God has blessed us with. And when it's all said and done, you and I are going to have to give an account for how we used and how we tended to God's money. And I'll remind you, all of us on tonight who are stewards, that God gives us money, number one, to tend to our needs, number two, to sow into his kingdom, and number three, to give to others. That's the purpose of money. Get that sowed real deeply in your mind. Uh, get that etched into the corridors of your mind. God gives us money for three reasons. Number one, to tend to our needs. Number two, to sow into his kingdom. And number three, to give to others. And over the last two weeks here, I shared with you six guiding principles for managing money God's way. And I want to add to those tonight. If you missed the last two weeks, you can go to iTunes and look us up there. Uh, you'll find the podcast. I believe it's Bishop Carl Hodges. <coughs> uh, you'll find the podcast there. You can download and listen to it all over again. I hope that you do. 
But uh, again, we're going to add to the principles, the six principles that we've already shared with you. I want to add on to those tonight. And uh, again, hopefully we're going to say something to enlighten, to encourage, to uplift, to edify, to give you a new framework I think, to think about your finances. Okay, And we defined principles for you on last weekend. And these financial principles, these principles are important because they give you a framework to operate from within your finances. You need to operate within a certain framework if you're going to be successful in the in the area of finances in your family and in your marriage. You need to have a construct. You need to have a box to put yourself inside of and do not come outside of that box. And that's all a guiding principle is. It's 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 a it's a value. It's uh, the principle is something that acts like a law in your life. You get inside that law and you don't come outside of that law for any reason. And what I'm saying to you tonight is that the Bible gives us guiding principles. And if we would get inside the box of God's word and not come out for any reason, I'm guaranteeing you success in your finances. These principles work. They work whether you have a little money. They work whether you have a lot of money. These principles work. Because one thing is for sure, all the time, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. There are people who make forty, fifty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year who have a large sum of disposable income. There are people who make millions of dollars a year who are broke as a twig. It's not how much money you make is important, and, and uh, uh, it's how much you keep. And so operating the principles laid out in God's word will help you keep some of your money, uh, give back to God, and help take care of others in your life also. Now let's look at some of these principles. Uh, again, we left off at number six on last week. We covered one through six in the last two weeks. Tonight I want to start with principle uh, number seven. And uh, guiding principle number seven for your work in finances in your marriage and your family is simply this. You have to know the difference between needs and wants. You have to know the difference between needs and wants. And you have to discipline yourself to take care of your needs and be careful how you accumulate your wants. You know, we have a way of convincing ourselves that some things are needs when in reality, they're just wants. A need is something that you can't do without. A need is something that's required to sustain life and sustain living. A need is, is something you need to maintain and support your life. And you need A need is something required to earn a living, to maintain a living. A need is something that you require to help you do some things that you are required to do. If it's a thing that, that helps you do what you're required to do, if it's a thing that helps you do what you have to do, then that's a need. On the other hand, a want is something that looks good, it feels good, it sounds good. A want occupies a lot of space in our imaginations. But the truth is, you can do without a want, or you can do without a want. And too often we get needs and wants confused because of the pleasure and the ease that some wants will bring us. Yes, when we get our wants, it makes us feel good. It makes us sound good. Uh, uh, and so we get, and, and because it makes us feel so good, 
we can get a want and a need confused. And we can convince ourselves that a want is really a need. Some wants will bring us prestige and notoriety. Some wants will bring us attention. It gets us notice and, and maybe it, it gets us access to groups and places that we previously didn't have access to. In, want, in short, wants make us feel good. When you get something you want, it makes you feel good. And every one of us, we have a way of convincing ourselves that we need a thing when really it's actually a want. And when you go to make a purchase, if the only thing you can attribute to that purchase is it will make me feel better, then that's a want. When you go to make a purchase and the purchase is something that really sustains your life in a real way, that's a need. Believe it or not, distinguishing between needs and wants and, and choosing between needs and wants, it takes a good amount of courage. It takes courage because you have to face yourself and you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself and say to yourself, you are convincing yourself that this want is really a need. Because if you're honest with yourself and tell yourself, you know, this is just a want, then you probably won't, won't purchase it. But when you convince yourself that it's a need, you're going to purchase it. And unfortunately, some of us are going to go into debt to purchase it. And so when you can't tell the difference between wants and needs, uh, you're going to spend money that you don't have. Uh, you're going to be trying to live up to some phantom standard. You're probably going to go into debt and, and you're just going to fill your life with pain and misery. You're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to be disciplined. Be honest with yourself so you can know the difference and live the difference between needs and wants. It takes courage because only you can keep you under control. Only you can keep you under control. Uh, I, I hope you're listening to me tonight. Uh, uh, um And so it's, it's very good uh, to know the difference between wants and needs. That's a critical skill. Uh, requires courage, requires honesty within yourself. And this is why self-awareness is so important. You've got to know when you're just attached to something, when you're just looking to make yourself feel good. You've got to know that. So uh, principle number seven you got to be able to tell the difference in needs and wants. All right. Uh, principle number eight. Never expect security or stability from money. Never expect security or stability from money. First Timothy 6 and 17 warns against being rich and full of yourself. Because money is here today and it's gone tomorrow. You don't know what can happen overnight. You know, the Bible warns us against laying up treasures here on earth where moth can corrupt it, rust can corrupt it, and people can steal it. And, and it's just here today. It's gone tomorrow. First uh, Timothy 6.17 goes on to advise us to go hard after God and to be rich helping others. You know, when I was a child growing up, I would hear old folks sing about sending up my timber. 
And sending up my timber, that was a metaphor for doing things down here and living in a way down here on earth, living in a way that will add to our mansion up there. So sending up my timber was a metaphor for living in a way down here that will allow me to live big time in eternity, even if I never live big time on earth. All I'm saying is that knowing and choosing what is really important is the road to true riches. You got to know what true riches really are. You have to choose to pursue true riches. You have to uh, 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 expand and dispense your resources in pursuit of true riches. And don't put your hope in money and things for they are truly here today and gone tomorrow. And every time I think about this particular point, I always think back on Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Harvey, some of the other tragic storms. Uh, we've seen uh, uh, several tragic storms uh, over the last few years. Every time I think about this particular point, when I think about never expecting security or stability for money, when I think about the fact that money could be here today and gone tomorrow, I think about those storms. Uh, here's the truth of the matter. One day, some people were living high on the hog. Some of those people had everything going their way. Some of those people were living in their dreams homes. They were driving their dream cars. They were eating at fine restaurants. They had it going on. They were at the top of the hill. They, were thought, they thought that no one and nothing could take them down. Then the storm hit. Wrecked the house. Blew the house apart. Wrecked the car. Uh, all the money is gone because you have to spend it on replacing all the things and possessions that you lost. Then the storm hit and the very next day, everything was gone. So when these storms hit and you had the Red Cross setting up shelters and you had FEMA setting up shelters and, and other help institutions and agencies setting up shelters, in some of those shelters, you had rich people sleeping on cots right next to poor people. Why? Because riches may be here today and gone tomorrow. A couple of months ago, the stock market took a nosedive and people lost hundreds of thousands and many, many millions of dollars all in just one day. Some actually lost it in just a few hours. The day before the nosedive, many people were feeling invincible, feeling like nothing could take them down. Stocks had risen. Stock market was doing well. The economy was doing well. People were feeling like I've made it. And the day after the nosedive, many decided they need to work a few more years before retiring because that stock market took that nosedive and wiped out a lot of the money that they had accumulated. The moral of the story is don't put your trust, don't put your hope, don't put your confidence in money. It's here today and may be gone tomorrow. We need money. We have to have money. If you're going to eat, have a roof over your head, buy clothes, take care of your children, pay for your medical, pay for your food, pay for college for your children. If you're going to invest and save, you're going to have to have money. And God doesn't have any problem with these things. Just remember, the more you possess, 
does not mean the more you're actually worth. Who are you when all your money is gone? We need it, got to have it. Better handle it wisely, build it up. Just don't trust in it. Just don't trust in money to do what only God himself can do in your life. Hey, I want to remind you that you're listening to Marriage and Family Clinic tonight. And you're listening to us in the Hampton Roads area on 1350 AM. That's WGPL. You can also find us on www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. Listen, as always, I need to hear from you. You can email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. You can inbox me on Facebook. You'll find me at Bishop Carl Hodges. Uh, you can listen to these podcasts. Uh, forms again uh, you find us on iTunes look us up Bishop Hodges uh, I need to hear from you need to know if I'm wasting time need to know if we're encouraging you need to know if we're saying anything worthwhile I'd like to know if you have a subject you want us to talk about we'll definitely get to it all right but whatever you do let us hear from you all right listen so that was principle number eight Principle number eight, never expect security or stability from money. Don't put your trust in money. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Guiding principle for your finances. Guiding principle number nine, be confident in God's knowledge. Folks, we're going to have to learn to look outside of ourselves. We don't have the answers. We don't have the wisdom that's required to live victoriously and successfully in life. We need help from a divine source. We need help from on high. We need help from God. And when it comes to your finances, when it comes to taking care of your family, your future, others in your life, loved ones, friends, whatever the case may be, be confident in God's knowledge rather than your own knowledge. What am I saying? Jesus told us in Matthew 6 and 8, uh, he lets us know that we have a father in heaven who knows better than we could ever know what we need. God knows more than you know about you. God knows better than you know what you need. You pray faithfully and you pray consistently. You deal wisely with the finances that you have and then you trust God to do the rest because he will step in and help you out. If you ask him, he'll give you the wisdom to deal with your finances. You need to remind yourself often that your heavenly father knows all about you. He will come to see about you. He will move in concrete ways to take care of you just because you're his child. And if that knowledge controls your mind, it will keep you in peace and keep you from trusting in money and putting your confidence in your possession. Wow. You pray. Deal wisely. Remember the purpose of money and trust God. Look to him. That will keep you living in peace. That will help you sleep at night. You don't have to worry about how much money is coming in. Deal wisely. Trust that God knows you. You're his child. There is nothing that God does not know. You and I don't know everything, but God knows everything. He knows everything. He owns everything. And he counts you and me as his dear children. And I'm excited to tell you that we don't have a deadbeat dad. Look at the lilies of the field, Jesus says in Matthew 6. They don't toil or spin. Look at the birds of the air. They don't worry. 
I heard a preacher say they may work, but they don't wear it. <laughs> God doesn't have a problem with you working. As a matter of fact, he says if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's worse than an infidel. Additionally, Paul tells Timothy, if a man doesn't work, he ought not eat. So God doesn't mind you working. God minds you worrying. And if you trust in his knowledge, if you trust him for your life, you won't have to live a life of worry. You are worth so much more than the lilies of the field. You're worth so, so very much more than the birds that fly in the air. You're worth so much more than they are to your Father in heaven. So pursue his ways of living. Pursue his ways of doing. Pursue his ways of handling finances. And he will watch out for you. I'm guaranteeing you. You know, my mother in uh, Kentucky is a volunteer at a hospital. And she called me yesterday. She was excited and had a testimony. She says yesterday that her supervisor walked up to her and hugged her and told her how much that she loved my mother. And she put an envelope in my mother's hand. And she told my mother uh, not to open it until she leaves the hospital uh, on the way home. So, so my mother took the envelope, she put it in her pocket, and, and she hugged the supervisor back and said, thank you for whatever is going on here. She wasn't aware of what was going on. And my mother left the hospital and said she went outside and sat in her car in the parking lot. And she opened the envelope, and there was a crisp $100 bill. Wow, my mother says she just went to shouting and, and she was all shocked and, and she was just speechless. But my mother is known for believing in her Heavenly Father and she believed that her Heavenly Father knew that she had bills to pay, food to buy. And in her mind and in her heart, the truth of the matter is her Father provided. Her Father just provided. And I've heard some people say that I have more bills than money and, and I ran out of money before I ran out of month and all those types of things. You may understand that, but I'm encouraging you to trust your Heavenly Father. I'm encouraging you to have faith and use your faith to seek His wisdom for your finances and trust that He knows you better than you know yourself. I have a plaque on my wall at home that says, Worry ends where faith begins and I look at that every day and it's a reminder to me that God knows everything there is nothing that escapes his knowing nothing escapes his knowledge he already knows the end from the beginning he saw the end way back in the beginning oh my goodness as soon as I put it in God's hands I can rest that's the truth of the matter so trust your heavenly father to know you better even than you know yourself. All right. So that was guiding principle number nine. Be confident in God's knowledge. He knows you much better than you know yourself. Principle number 10. Guiding principle number 10. Generational blessing versus generational curse. Generational blessing versus generational curse. You know, I'm of the mind that if there are generational curses, then there has to be generational blessings. 
And I really get a little tired of hearing a lot of preachers preach in church how cursed we are from generation to generation and and how how we have to follow the curse and and so forth and so on. And and, and you know what? But after knowing the scriptures and after knowing the Heavenly Father for myself, I believe that if we can pass down a curse, if we can pass down a negative and a destructive family pattern, then we can certainly pass on a positive and a constructive and a God-pleasing family pattern. We don't have to pass on a curse. We can pass on a blessing. And it's time for us to live like we are truly redeemed from every curse and start taking care of succeeding generations. Proverbs 13 and 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. In other words, when we live right, when we handle our finances wisely, we build on the right foundation. When we live like we're stewards and not owners, we can not only make life better for ourselves, we can not only make life better for our children, but we can make life better for our grandchildren. I was listening to Tony Evans preach on the radio today, and he was saying that in order to be God's man, a good man, in order to be a good father, you have to be concerned about three generations, your generation, your children's generation, and your grandchildren's generation. You have to be a multi-generational thinker in order to be a good God man, because a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So when you deal wisely, when you get your spending under control, when you learn to live by your means, under your means even, when you instill godly guiding principles for finances in your life, when you live by them, when you place yourself inside that box and you refuse to come out for anything, you pass that on to your children. Your children pass it on to their children. You have made life better for three generations. I often think that if every person prepares for their grandchildren, then everybody has two generations of time to prepare to pass wealth on instead of just one generation. We're not doing as good as we can with one generation, but it would be a lot better if everyone was preparing for two generations down the line. And you know, African-Americans, we, we have not traditionally passed wealth on well to succeeding generations. For one reason or another, we don't have time to talk about that. We just haven't been successful in passing wealth on. But if we live by the right financial principles, such as this right here in Proverbs 13, 22, if we understand and if we seek to be a good man by God's standards, then we can prepare for our children's children. If we live by the right financial principles, if we determine that we will live God's way in our financial dealings, we can make a better life all the way down to our grandchildren. All right, that's good teaching. All right, let's get on here. Principle number 11, godly financial principle number 11, develop ant sense. That's ant sense, A-N-T, the little multi-legged creature that comes out when you leave food out. Develop ant sense. 
Proverbs 6, 6 through 7 in the Message Bible says, You lazy fool, look at an ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? Even the Bible says you can learn God's ways from looking at nature. Look at the ant. He scurries all summer long. The ant is wise enough to know that summer feels good, but winter is on the way. The ant is diligent enough to work while he can, because when winter comes, he can't go out and gather food. And nobody has to tell the ant to put something up. Nobody has to tell the ant, don't eat up all your seed. He knows he has to put something up. He knows he has to put up enough to make it through the winter because winter is certainly on the way. The moral of the story is while you're young and in the summer of life, you should be working hard to save and invest to store up finances for your future. Store up something because your winter years are coming. And winter represents the time of life when you can't get out and do what you used to. You can't get out and go like you used to. Age catches up to us all. And if you don't believe it, just keep on living. Age catches up to us all. And, and, and age means that you can't work like you used to. That's the winter of life. That's when you need to have something set aside that's been accruing for decades. And now you have a nest egg to lay back on in your winter years. So don't make the mistake of eating up all your seed. That means quit spending all your money on stuff. Quit trying to get the latest gadget. Save and invest because winter is coming. It is sure to come. All right. And real quickly here, I'm just about out of time, but I want to leave one more principle with you. And principle number 12, guiding principle number 12. This is short. I'll make it short and simple. Never co-sign for anyone. Don't co-sign. Don't co-sign alone, family, friend, loved one. Don't co-sign. Proverbs 6 says, and I paraphrase it, if you co-sign for anyone, you just entered a trap. It's like promising the shirt off your back. Don't co-sign. Just don't do it. I don't, don't need to go into a long dissertation on it. When you co-sign, the lending institution will come after you. If your friend, a loved one, or whoever you co-sign for, they can't or won't pay their debt, they're coming after you. And regardless of how good of friends you are, if you intend to remain friends, don't co-sign. Hey, listen, I'm out of time. You've been listening to us on Marriage and Family Clinic tonight. You're listening to us 1350 AM WGPL. Reach out to me. Contact me. CD Hodges at Hotmail.com. That's my email. Call me. Inbox me on Facebook. Bishop Carl Hodges. Let me know you're listening to us. And again, follow these principles. You should have victory in your finances. Until next week, God bless you. And remember, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. We're out.